keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday. August the 17th, 2022. Here's a question. Has there been too much emphasis on participation at Holy Mass these days? Have we lost the gift of sacred silence as a lay folk, as a people going and attending and uniting our intentions with the priest to make this sacrifice at the foot of the cross. We've asked this question to Father Brendan Kilcoyne, who is a, uh, from the Archdiocese of Tum in Ireland, and he joins us at 35 past the hour to have this great conversation about participation and silence. So join us for that if you can. Hey, coming up at 15 past this hour, uh, here's a qu- good question that Ann Hendershot over Crisis Magazine is asking. Are Vatican bureaucrats aiming to end heroic Vietnam War chaplain canonization? Father Vincent Capadano, is his cause not going to progress simply because he gave his life in a war? Well, we're going to have that conversation coming up at 15 past. I'll share all the stories with you. Hey, at the top of the next hour, David L. Gray is going to be on from davidlgray.info. We're going to be talking about the Jesuit order, their big plan. You might remember uh, they joined forces with uh, J.P. Morgan Chase to raise $100 at least, uh, if not a billion dollars, to make reparation for uh, their past owning of slaves in plantations. And uh, so far, they're about 15 million. So they're way off their goal. We're going to have that conversation with David O'Gray at the top of the next hour. So join us if you can. Hey, Liz Cheney loses her position in Congress. She lost her primary to Harriet Hageman. IRS whistleblowers come out and said the inflation reduction plan, you know, it's not going to target the big rich folks. No, it's going to be working class folks. So that's always fun. Hey, Catholic doctors are blasting Boston Hospital Child Gender Clinic. They say it's a first-of-its-kind of program to facilitate sex changes for children in the form of hormone treatments and irreversible surgeries. That's horrible. That is horrible. Every Catholic, not just Catholic doctors in Boston, should be speaking out against that. Hey, and rosaries, praise be to God, they are flying off the shelf, thanks to the Atlantic's article, which we covered in depth yesterday. So, uh... Good morning, Rosary Radicals. I'm glad to see that you are on with us. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And that's a little concerning. They're just flying by themselves, by their own free will, off the shelf. That's, uh, mm, hey, that's if, not good. If God can cause a donkey to speak on his behalf, he can make rosaries fly. That's all I'm saying. I guess so. Huh? <laughs> Maybe we should revise that old phrase, when pigs fly, it should be when rosaries fly. Ooh. it would be fun. Well, it would be fun. Praise be to God. Hey, uh, good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. Are you all right over there? Good to be here. You okay? I am. You sure? I mean, like, things are falling apart over there. (laughs) What's going on? Praise be to God. It's good to be here today. Is it? And it's uh, a good day to pray the rosary. Is it? Amen, bro. So pick up your rosary and uh, say a couple beads, especially say one for us. Yeah. Don't Uh, don't say like the the shepherd children in Fatima. mm. They just went, Ave. (laughs) <laughs> they cheated <laughs> until they had this encounter with Our Lady, and then they, they, they corrected that pretty quick. Hey, by the way, speaking of prayer intentions, I had a good friend just text me this morning. He says, big spiritual battle this afternoon. Please pray and ask others to lock, load, and fire off rosaries for this afflicted person's 
healing. Ask for the intercession of the Blessed Mother and also St. Josephine Bakita. So uh, do us a favor, offer up your uh, rosary today, if you can, for this intention. That would be super awesome. Praise be to God. Well, we have a lot to get into. I am uh, passionate about Father Vincent Capadano's story, the Grunt Padre, having served in the Marine Corps. His heroic witness in September of 1967 should be an inspiration to us all. So why would his cause not go forward. Well, I'm anxious to cover that story for you. So a lot to go uh, into today. Again, Father Brendan Kilcoyne is going to be on with us as well. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, uh, not Monday, today is Wednesday, August 17th. And here are your headlines this morning. The Epic Times reports Judge unseals Mar-a-Lago raid warrant and reveals why FBI is investigating Trump. Trump is under investigation for alleged violations of 18 U.S.C. 2071, stick with me here, and that's concealment, removal, or mutilation, and 18 U.S.C. 793 of the Espionage Act, gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information, as well as 18 U.S.C. 1519, destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in federal investigations, according to the warrant, which was unsealed by Judge Bruce Reinhardt on Friday afternoon. A conviction under these statutes can lead to imprisonment or fines. And on Friday, Trump posted that the documents the FBI seized were all declassified, and agents uh, could have had the documents any time they wanted without playing politics and breaking into Mar-a-Lago. He added it was in a secured storage with an additional lock put on it as per their request. LifeSite reports Quebec Arc Cardinal Marc Ouellette accused of sexual assault in class action lawsuit. The allegations against Ouellette were detailed in a class action lawsuit which was filed on Tuesday in Quebec's Superior Court and specifically accused the prominent cardinal of kissing a woman at a cocktail reception in 2008, among other things. A Montreal-based law firm says the accusation represents just one of 101 alleged victims in the suit who have accused approximately 88 priests and other members of the clergy in the Archdiocese of Quebec of sexual assault. Since 2010, Ouellette has served as the prefect for the Dicastery for Bishops and the president of the Pontifical Commission for Latin America. Breitbart reports Joe Biden signs $430 billion climate and health care spending bill to fight inflation. The bill raises the corporate minimum tax to 15% and spends more money on bolstering the ability of the IRS to enforce taxes. The bill spends $386 billion on green energy subsidies and tax credits and spends $98 billion on propping up Medicare. And Reuters reports China to discourage abortions to boost low birth rate. China will discourage abortions to take steps to make fertility treatment more accessible as part of efforts to boost one of the world's lowest birth rates, its National Health Authority said on Tuesday. China's fertility, fertility rate of 1.16 in 2021 was far below the 2.1 standard for a stable population and among the lowest in the world. China's uncompromising zero-COVID policy of curbing outbreaks with strict controls on people's lives may have caused profound damage on their desire to have children, some demographers say. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you.
The saint of the day is Saint Hyacinth. He was born of noble parents in Poland around 1185. He was educated in Krakow, and on a trip to Rome in 1218, he met Saint Dominic, from whom both Hyacinth and his cousin Celsius, Celas, Celsilas, received the habit of the friars' preachers. A painting of the Dominican church of Santa Sabina in Rome depicts this event with Ceslas lying prostrate on the floor and Hyacinth being clothed by Saint Dominic in the white robe of the athletes of the faith. Within a few months of his reception of the habit, Hyacinth embarked on his first mission, sent by Saint Dominic to preach the established, uh, establishment of the order in Poland. For the next 35 years, this great disciple of Dominic devoted himself to preaching the gospel, encouraging his followers to nurture the practice of study and opening new Dominican monasteries. He was tireless in his efforts soon establishing Dominican friaries in all the major cities in Poland. These houses became known as centers of theological thought and missionary activity. He extended his missionary activity through Russia, Lithuania, present-day Czech Republic, and Slovakia, Austria, Bohemia, Greece, Turkey, and northern China. After crossing the Baltic Sea, he preached in Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and is also said to have visited Scotland. He is, he is credited with the invention of the pierogi. The story goes, a storm raged, destroying all of the crops, dooming the populace to starvation. Hyacinth knelt with the villagers and prayed with them for divine intervention. The next day, the crops rose back from the dead, and in a show of gratitude, the people of the town invented him a meal of pierogies from these miracle crops. One of the major miracles attributed to Hyacinth came from the Mongol attack on Kiev. As the friars prepared to flee the invading forces, Hyacinth went to save the Blessed Sacrament from the tabernacle in the monastery chapel. That's when he heard the voice of Mary, Mother of God, asking him to take her too. Hyacinth lifted the large stone statue of Mary as well as a ciborium. He was easily able to carry both despite the fact that the statue weighed far more than he could normally lift. Thus, he saved them both. He led his community to the river Draper where allegedly they all followed him miraculously across the water. When miracles were needed for Hyacinth's canonization, 408 witnesses supposedly corroborated the walking on the Draper miracle by attesting that they had been able centuries later to see the saint's footprints, which remained on the water. After unceasing labors, the vast journeys, Hyacinth spent his last few months of life in a monastery he had founded in Krakow. Although worn out and weakened by illness and fever, he kept watch in the service of God until his death by celebrating Mass on the Feast of the Assumption. He was anointed at the foot of the altar on August 15, 1527, and died the same day. He was canonized over 300 years later and was the seventh Dominican to be raised to sainthood. Saint Hyacinth, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off.
And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the heat of the day. And he said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you, or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I'm generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great would say, The master of the household, that is our maker, has a vineyard, that is the church universal, which has borne so many stocks, as many saints, as it has put forth from righteous Abel to the very last saint who shall be born in the end of the world. To instruct this, his people, as for the dressing of the vineyard, the Lord has never ceased to send out his laborers, first by the patriarchs, next by the teachers of the law, then by the prophets, and the last by the apostles. He has toiled in the cultivation of his vineyard, though every man, in whatsoever measure or degree he has joined good action with right faith, has been a laborer in the vineyard, close quote, St. Gregory the Great. What's interesting is the Gregory the Great here, he goes on to sort of identify the hours in this parable, in this passage in the gospel. You'll see like the morning, the ninth hour, etc. He says, morning represents from Adam to Noah, the third hour from Noah to Abraham, the sixth hour, Abraham to Moses, the ninth hour, Moses to the Lord, and the eleventh hour, the Lord to the end of time. Praise be to God. St. Gregory the Great, pray for us. Whenever God calls us, let us be faithful. Let us be the good stewards who do well with the gifts he has given us to convert the whole world. We'll be right back. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Seventh-day Adventists use Ecclesiastes 9.10 to argue that souls in heaven aren't cognitively aware of our prayers because the inspired author says that souls don't have any knowledge in the afterlife. 
this objection fails because the inspired author was operating with a limited and vague view of the afterlife without New Testament revelation. When we come to the New Testament, it's a whole new ballgame. Consider Revelation 5.8, where 24 presbyters, human souls, surround Jesus and offer him the prayers of Christians on earth in the form of incense. How could they do this if they weren't cognitively aware of all those prayers? So just because an Old Testament passage speaks of the afterlife in a way that's not compatible with the intercession of the saints, it doesn't follow that the Catholic doctrine is proven unbiblical. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Brendan Kilcoyne from the Archdiocese of Tomb in Ireland is going to be our guest. He has a uh, YouTube channel, uh, Immaculata Productions. Great commentary. I mean, it's a hoot. He's a good crack, as he would say. And uh, we're going to have a conversation about some recent videos that he has posted about participation at Holy Mass. Have we gone too far? Have we put too much emphasis on needing to participate as lay folk at Holy Mass, plus silence as well. Have we embraced silence? Uh, or should we embrace it again? Father Brendan Kilcoyne will be our guest, 35 past hour. Join us if you can, and do share us with a friend. I'd be super grateful to you. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And uh, a couple years ago, uh, my wife bought me The Grunt Padre, a great book. I highly recommend it. It tells the story of Father Vincent Capadano, a married old priest, a missionary, who uh, went to Vietnam because he wanted to be where the suffering was going to be. And he knew that uh, there would be many men in their final moments who would need a good and heroic priest to help them through uh, the difficulties that they would be facing. And, uh, and it's very fascinating. I really enjoyed and loved this book. I learned so much about Father Vincent Capadano, and, uh, and I would, again, encourage you to read about this man's life. There's an article by Ann Hendershot over Crisis Magazine, crisismagazine.com. The headline says, Vatican bureaucrats aim to end heroic Vietnam War chaplain canonization. And uh, I find this fascinating because, uh, you know, oh, well, there's so many opportunities, you know, really to... Uh, find good and heroic witnesses in our life. So why don't we celebrate them? Why don't we embrace them? Why don't we use them and leverage them to inspire all of us to live good, holy, and heroic lives? Because the call to sainthood is the one and only call that we have as lay faithful. We aren't called to be successful in life. We aren't called to uh, be rich, to be famous, to be popular, to be loved, to be good-looking, to be athletic. These are all Maybe you could say cherry on top of the cake, possibly. But if any of those hinder us from the goal of getting to heaven, then they are hindrances that we should do away with. So focusing on heaven, we want the lives of saints to help us do that. And I say, and I submit to you, Father Vincent Capadano is such a person. So let me read uh, this uh, article to you from Crisis Magazine. It says this, an advisory panel of the theological consultants recently voted to suspend the cause for sainthood for heroic military chaplain Father Vincent Capadano. 
writing in the dicastery for the causes of saints, the Vatican uh, body responsible for canonization decisions, the theologians claimed that Father Capadano, a member of the Mary Knoll religious order and a U.S. Navy chaplain who served faithfully and courageously in the Vietnam War with the United States Marine Corps, did not deserve consideration for sainthood. Did you catch that? Did not deserve consideration for sainthood. Let's go on. It says, despite the fact that he died on the battlefield while shielding a Marine from enemy machine gun fire. Throughout his deployment with Marine combat units in the jungles of Vietnam, it has been documented that Father Vincent Capadano put the, quote, well-being of Marines above his own personal safety. The priest would move among the wounded and dying on the battlefield to provide medical aid, comfort, and last rites, close quote. Yet, in an especial shameful statement of cowardice, one of the Vatican's consultants involved in the sainthood cause for Father Vincent Capadano, quote, wrote, quote, without, going, uh, without ongoing military actions in the world today, think Ukraine, raising someone from the military for veneration may not be appropriate for our church, close quote. Is, is that the standard by which we decide uh, whether or not someone has lived a heroically virtuous life? Or should we just analyze their life and decide whether or not they've lived a heroically virtuous life? Uh, just because they served in the military, therefore they cannot be saints. They're disqualified. Like, think about that for a second. Let me tell you just a touch about this man's story. You know, he was uh, a very successful missionary priest. He, he read, you know, the, the magazine, the Mary Knowles, as a young man, and it inspired him. And he wanted to become a missionary, so he did. He wanted to go to the jungles, way out in, uh, you know, the, the villages, the mountain villages, to, to meet people far off, speaking languages he couldn't fathom, to provide to them the good, the true, and the beautiful, the gospel, to preach to them, to bring them to Christ, to walk with them, to journey with them. And then they sent him to a school in Hong Kong, which was too clean, too easy. And he knew he needed and was called to do something greater, more arduous, and more difficult. And that is when he felt the call to join the Navy as a chaplain. He received permission, he joined the Navy, and he asked to go to Vietnam. And he was assigned as a chaplain to the Marines. And they called him the Grand Padre. And they loved him. He used to carry um, miraculous medals, or medals in his, and St. Christopher medals in his pockets. Huge batches he would get from the States. And every time he would meet uh, another Marine or somebody, he would give them one of these St. Christopher medals. And, you know, he might also have candy. He might also have smokes on him. He would embrace men where they were at, wherever they were, no matter the sweltering, humid thickness, heat of the jungle, or just in the Camp Chow Hall, or anywhere in between, it didn't matter. He was a man who was there with these men in the most dire circumstances. And although he could have easily stayed out of harm's way, he insisted on going on patrol with these men. And on September the 4th, 1967, he was on patrol with these Marines when they encountered an overwhelming superior enemy force. And for six hours he did not comfort himself he did not shield himself from the enemy he went from foxhole to foxhole to foxhole to comfort the dying to provide last rites to give his own gas mask over to those that needed it because they lost theirs 
He placed himself in harm's way, being wounded on several occasions to include, I think, one of his fingers being blown off by a bullet. He did not stop for six hours carrying the wounded back to, to receive medical aid. And finally, in his last uh, moment, you know, he, he said to one Marine, stay calm, Marine. There will be someone soon to help us. God is with us all here today. This is what he says in the midst of a grave mortal combat. But his last act was to run to the aid of a wounded corpsman, using his own body as a shield against a machine gunner who riddled his body with 27 bullets. And he died on the battlefield that day, September the 4th, 1967. When the word got out that Father Vincent Capadano had died on the battlefield, Marines all over South Vietnam stopped in their tracks to offer a moment of silence. You tell me that's not heroic virtue. You tell me that that is not an incredible, inspiring story of a man who gave his whole life sacrificially for others. Every Marine serving in Vietnam knew the name Father Vincent Capitano because of the heroic, virtuous life that he lived. It impacted their life. And the survivors today will still tell you that. But nonetheless, because he served in the military, apparently, according to this panel, he is uh, not allowed to ascend to the cannon. At least that's what it says. The article goes on to say, in this statement from a Vatican theologian who is completely out of touch with the faithful Catholics throughout the world, that tells us everything we need to know about an increasingly out-of-touch Vatican bureaucracy that seems to be attempting to destroy everything that is good, true and, and good in the church and beyond, claiming that, quote, raising someone from the military, close quote, to sainthood would be, quote, not be appropriate, close quote, for our church reveals the animosity that these Vatican-chosen consultants hold toward the rest of us. Uh, as a mother, Anne Hendershot, the author of the article, says... Uh, as a mother of a soldier in the United States Army who served courageously in Iraq, I find it difficult to understand the ignorance reflected in such a statement from a Vatican theologian who is so blind to the sacrifice the military families make. Some, like Father Vincent Capadano's family, have made the ultimate sacrifice. Catholics have always been overrepresented in the military, and it is a disappointment for them to see how their little uh, how little their sacrifice is acknowledged by the elites within the church. Fortunately, the unique sacrifice that Catholic chaplains have made has not gone completely unnoticed. There have been five Catholic priests, including Father Vincent Capadonna, who have earned the Medal of Honor from a grateful country. The citation for the Medal of Honor awarded to Father Vincent posthumously in 1969 reads, quote, in, in, in response to the reports, the 2nd Platoon of M Company was in danger of being overrun by a massed enemy assaulting force. Lieutenant Capadano left the relative safety of the company command and ran through an open area raked with fire directly to the beleaguered platoon, disregarding the intense enemy small arms automatic weapons, and mortar fire, he moved about the battlefield administering last rites to the dying and giving medical aid to the wounded. When 
and exploding mortar round inflicted painful multiple wounds to his arms and legs and severed a portion of his right hand. He steadfastly refused all medical aid. Instead, he directed corpsmen to help their wounded comrades with calm vigor continue to move about the battlefield as he provided encouragement by voice and example to the valiant Marines. Upon encountering a wounded corpsman in the direct line of fire of an enemy machine gun gunner positioned approximately 15 yards away, Lieutenant Capitano rushed a daring attempt to aid and assist the mortally wounded corpsman. At that instant, only inches from his goal, he was struck down by a burst of machine gun fire. That is the, that is the citation of the United States government awarding posthumously the Medal of Honor to Father Vincent Capodanno. How, how ironic is it that the federal government, the federal U.S. government, has seen fit to honor such an example and our own Catholic Church can't seem to find the way to make this happen. I find that incredible and uh, disappointing. The article goes on to say the story of Father, Vincent's, Father Vincent Capadano's saintliness was described in a book by Father Daniel Mode, which was based on more than 100 interviews with people whose lives were touched by the Holy Priest. In the book, The Grant Padre, The Service and Sacrifice of Father Vincent Robert Capitano, Vietnam, 66 through 67. Father Mode includes the story of a severely injured Marine, Corporal Ray Harton, who, re who regained consciousness on the battlefield to find Va Father Vincent Capitano reassuring him that someone will be here to help you soon. God is with us all this day. Father Vincent Capitano later died on that battlefield. Um, let us pray because the Archbishop of Military Services is not over with his story. He is, uh, Archbishop Timothy Broglio is still pushing to move this case forward. Let us pray today that the heroic witness of such a man who gave everything, the service of so many, will be one day declared a saint. Hey, don't go anywhere. We come back. We have more breaking news and stories. Rudy Carlos and Father Brendan Kelcoin will be on with us. We'll be right back. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity. And supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, you've got to believe in yourself? G.K. Chesterton says, the people who believe in themselves are all in lunatic asylums. You have to believe in something outside yourself. You have to believe that there is a greater reality than the one inside your head. If the only thing you believe in is yourself, your world will become very small, about the size of a padded cell. We live in a world that rejects the worship of the one true God and has substituted something called the God within. But as Chesterton says, if Jones is told to worship the God within, it ultimately means that Jones shall worship Jones. And that's not going to work. Want more than a minute? 
Visit us at Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. This one from Breitbart. The headline goes, Trans activists shut down 80-year-old women protesting against men in girls' locker rooms. You may remember this story from a few days ago. Transgender activists harass an 80-year-old woman as she attempted to give a speech in opposition to the presence of men in girls' locker rooms. The speaker, Julie Jammin, had previously been banned from her local YMCA in Port Townsend, Washington, after she asked an employee to get a man who identifies as transgender out of the women's locker room. The transgender activists attempted to drown out the 80-year-old woman's speech with chants of trans rights are human rights and trans women are women. I almost said men there. That would have been ironic. Uh, New York Post reports Jack Edward Fisher arrested after allegedly offering to sell cocaine to Florida politician. An 18-year-old suspected drug dealer in Florida was arrested after asking a county commissioner if he wanted to buy cocaine in a random text message, authorities said on Monday. Jack Edward Fisher was arrested after an undercover buy-bust operation in Palm Coast, according to the Flagler County Sheriff's Office. Fisher was found in possession of a bag filled with 3.17 grams of fentanyl, which authorities said was enough to potentially kill 1,585 people. And the Daily Wire reports, DOD announces program to find solutions for soldiers in freezing cold temperatures. The best-performing molecules identified during the discovery phase will subsequently be formulated to develop novel materials with enhanced operational performance, tailored to mitigate extreme cold weather challenges for specific Department of Defense applications and tested based on stakeholder needs and priorities, the description of the program asserted. The announcement cited the warming of the Arctic, permitting access to new trade routes, adding that such access necessitated an expanded operational area where the U.S. military must counter peer adversaries seeking to exploit emerging theaters in extreme cold weather areas. And those were headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now via Zoom chat is Father Brendan Kilcoyne. Uh, he has uh, a great set of our series of YouTube videos on Immaculata Productions' YouTube channel. You should check it out. It's called The Brendan Option. He's from the Archdiocese of Doom. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning. How are you? Praise well, be to God. I'm alive. How are you? <laughs> yes, equally so. Thank God. It, it counts, doesn't it? I mean, it's good. Praise it be to God. indeed. It's good. <laughs> well, uh, I, I get a kick out of watching your videos. Uh, they're so uh, witty and insightful, as you would say. You're a good crack, so hopefully you'll stick Thank around you today. Thank you very much. Thank but, you. Uh, I liked, in particular, I thought it hit home. You had a couple of videos recently. One was on the participation at Mass, and another one was really on silence, and uh, I thought these were very good. So let me ask the question, uh, you know, let you sort of uh, give your thoughts on this. Participation at Mass has been something that has been heavily pushed in a post-conciliar Catholic church have we gone too far father brendan kilcoin what say you we haven't gone too far insofar as we're we're calling people along with the earlier popes and 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 the councils and to a, a continual being present in the liturgy a continual spiritual participation but i worry a great deal about about a a kind of a worldly spin or twist that can come very easily on the participation a sense that, oh, well, people have to be doing things. People have to be running around doing things. We have to have people reading because we have to have people participating. 
I think you have people reading because it's desirable that the laity read the lesson. I don't think you have them reading to give them something to do or they'll burn down the church. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think we're in danger of slipping into this, uh, you know, the ways in which uh, schools and prisons and the like are managed on the basis of keep them moving, uh, keep them occupied, give them something to do. Goodness knows what they'll do if they have time on their hands. Uh, these are the people of God we're talking about. Uh, you, the priest is their servant. You were reminding they, me of how I, how I deal with my, uh, my six-year-old. <laughs> you know, keep... well, this, this, this is the problem. So, I mean, you want people to read. By all means, have people read. Uh, we need to probably train them far better than we're doing, but by all means, have people read. But not to give them something to do. And, and not as some sort of a, a very, very crude, unsophisticated understanding of participation. Similarly with ministers of the Eucharist. Now, the ministers of the Eucharist, I, I think, I have excellent ministers of the Eucharist, but I think I, I fully accept that it is controversial and debatable. The whole thing of communion in the hand, I have come to see really as very undesirable. Uh, people do it and people have a right to do it under the current um, norms operating in the church. But I personally feel that it may have been a very serious mistake and put far too much of a strain on human nature. Mm. Um, the minister of the Eucharist are connected with that willy-nilly. There's nothing we can do about that because they're not clerics. I, I would suggest perhaps that their numbers should be kept very tight that preparation for it should be very thorough. But I would also suggest that we should make the diaconate more accessible to viri probati instead of simply saying, oh, well, let's ordain such people to the priesthood. The priesthood is a different matter. But a vocation to the permanent, to the permanent diaconate, um, that's something far more uh, mature Catholic men should consider. And... Um, it could be arranged more easily than it's being arranged at the moment. I, I think we need to hedge the Eucharist about more carefully. Oh, yeah. Uh, this business of taking up the collection during the liturgy, um, you can say it's sanctified by tradition. Um, I, I don't think so, and I don't, I, I've stopped doing it. I don't think it should be happening. We, we, we are in the company of the seraphim and the liturgy. We, this is not a worldly occupation or a, a, and and allowing worldliness to come into it is dangerous again the general instruction on the missile allows a certain amount of commentary at the beginning and at the end mm. i'm coming to think that the priest should really just get on with it hmm. and make no certainly no worldly announcements you know i'm a convert uh, to the church and uh i i grew up protestant and when I came into the church, it was obviously attending in Novus Ordo and, and all of that. I've since grown in traditional piety. And one of my fears coming into going to the traditional Latin Mass was, uh, you know, I was always told that there is, you go from heavy participation to no participation. And I found that not to be true at all. And, uh, and it's interesting because I, I begrudgingly grew traditional, <laughs> I kind of kicking and screaming in some ways. And one of the things that I've grown to really love is this gift of silence. And I truly feel like I'm more intentional now than I ever have been in my past to offer my intentions, uniting them to the priest 
who on our behalf is offering this gift back to God. And I feel more united now in that than I ever had in the past. Uh, do you think a lot of Catholics are feeling that way, mostly because of this emphasis for participation? Like we're so focused on making sure we're hitting these things, doing these things, versus why we're sitting there? And Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a huge danger. It's an excessive activism. I mean, if you, it's not that I go to them often, but if you go to a good restaurant, you will notice that they will have thought out the seating, the comportment and manner of the, of the staff, even the way they expect their public to dress in terms of creating a fine dining atmosphere. Shouldn't we, at the very least, be attempting to create an atmosphere of elevation, of, 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 uh, of prayer, of piety, of edification, um, I, and everything should be oriented towards that. So there shouldn't, there shouldn't be people wandering about, e even doing things. And even if some things are a great help, maybe we should just be unreasonable and uncomfortable in that regard for the sake of, of a higher goal, which is to maintain this atmosphere of reverence and beauty and... Um, and, and reflection, contemplation, recollection uh, in the liturgy. Mm. I, I, th I think we need to start with our conclusion and work back. Mm. I, you, you know? Yeah, I also struggle, I, or I used to struggle a lot more when I used to go to St. Suburbia, as I call it, you know, suburban Catholic churches, where uh, to prepare for Holy Mass, it would be very noisy within the, the, the sanctuary before Mass. Yeah. Very active, very a lot of activity, a lot of uh, conversation and, and all of that. And I found that incredibly hard to, to sit and prepare mentally and spiritually for the sacrifice of the Mass. Um, what, why do you think we've created a culture where we have sort of become too casual in just in preparing? you got about a um, minute. I think we, we were at pains to make people feel comfortable. We were at pains to make people feel welcome. Uh, we were at pains to kind of, um, I suppose, in a way, democratize the, 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 the liturgy. Um, I don't think it has worked because the liturgy, it's not that the liturgy isn't democratic, it's that the liturgy just transcends all of that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just you're just not on the right wavelength if, if you're doing that. Um, for instance, let's say you have a master of ceremonies. Now, you know, traditionally a good master of ceremonies melts into the liturgy to the point of being almost invisible. He just keeps it moving with a, with a nod, with a, with a gesture, the slightest gesture. I've seen masters of ceremonies, they, they would practically climb over the altar I, I mean, you end up watching the master of ceremonies and his antics <laughs> rather than actually praying. And, and you see, the new liturgy, I'm not downing the new liturgy, I'm just saying the, the, the orientation versus populum. The problem with that... Father, I'm going to put a pin right there because we're right at a break here. We're going to have to take a very quick break. Father Brendan Kilcoyne, you brought up a great point there. I'm going to come back and have you take on that again. Uh, versus populum, ad orientum, silence in the mass, participation in the mass. Uh, I want to have all of this back on the agenda here right after this very quick break. Do us a favor, share us with a friend. Catholic Drive Time, we'll be right back.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Understanding Melchizedek, Malachi, and Mass seem quite mysterious to most, even including Bible students. How about you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Melchizedek. He was the very first priest in biblical history. Though he's a prefigurement of Jesus' priesthood, Melchizedek was a person. To Abraham, he presented bread and wine, which are the biblical elements of a sacrifice, and now presented at a Catholic Mass. Secondly, Malachi. He follows up some 3,000 years later and says, In every place incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. It is understood that the pure offering would be the sacrificial body and blood of Christ that is confected on every Catholic altar. Prophetically, this would replace and fulfill the ineffective temple sacrifices. And thirdly, my pesky comeback. That pure and holy sacrifice is not grape juice and a wafer at a non-Catholic communion service. Also, those elements are not Jesus' body and they surely aren't Jesus' blood. However, I am glad to say that some grape juice and a wafer is a really nice summertime refreshment. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you, Father Brendan Kilcoyne from the Brendan Option on the Maculata Productions on their YouTube channel. You should check it out. Really good stuff. Good commentary from Father Brendan. And he joins us again by Zoom chat. Good morning to you again, Father. Right before the break, you were just going into uh, we, uh, talking about versus Populum and Ad Orientum. Fascinating, actually. Uh, recently, I was watching an, an archaeological video ch- YouTube channel. Uh, an ev- evangelical fella uh, in uh, Israel, and he was going to the uh, altar of Joshua on Mount Ebal. And he points out that the archaeological evidence suggests that all of Israel was uh, at orientum with the priest, all facing liturgical east at the same time um, to meet the rising sun, as it was also designed in the tabernacle and then again in Solomon's temple. Uh, so we have this biblical basis in at orientum, and you were just about to comment on all of that. Let us know what you think. Yeah, Benedict XVI's regard is really as a deal breaker. He said in the spirit of the liturgy, he points out that, all right, you could debate the change from Latin. The council fathers don't seem to have contemplated it. I'm not clear that Sacrosanctum Concilium mandated or anything like it. But you could debate that. But he felt it was it was the change from ad orientum that was seismic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see, the trouble is, is that we communicate, a polite communication, respectful communication between is done front to front, face to face. The face is a sea of communication. Um, the minute the priest is turned around, people start searching his face. Hmm. It's, like, it's like an iPhone trying to connect. <laughs> People will start watching his face. They watch the movements of his hands or whatever. Father, we're having problems with your audio. Your mic seems to be covered a little bit there, so we're we're having a hard time. Can you repeat what you just said? Apologies. How's that? Better. Thank you. Yeah. Um, It's absolutely crucial that the priest 
celebrating Mass versus Populum followed the rubrics minutely, mm. even more so than when he had his back turned to them and they were faced the same way, priest and people. Because the problem is that he'll intrude continually into the liturgy otherwise. Mm. Uh, you know, if he, if, he, if he inserts any of his own words into the liturgy, if he tries, if he tries to muck about with it, if he, it, it may seem innocent, it's not. It, it, you already have a problem, and that problem will be exacerbated every time he departs from the rubrics or in any way intrudes himself into the liturgy. Uh, far from making it easy for the priest to, to, let's say... Well, I suppose the problem is it does make it easy for the priest to be more himself. The priest must be more Christ in the liturgy. Amen. He's also Christus. So it makes it easier for him to be himself, and the congregation end up looking at him <laughs> and listening to him. It, it, it really is a problem. Um, and, and again, you're back to this thing of, I, I mean, the, the church and especially the Mass should be many things, but starting one thing, a refuge from the bustle of the world, from the, the uh, mistaken, even perverted goals and aims of the world, uh, in some cases, uh, it should be a place of orientation, a place of calm, a place of reflection, a place of, of communion, where the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, not repeated, but is present on the altar. So you have sacrifice as well as meal, you know, and you, 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 you have this God-centered faith, and, and the, 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 the communion is affected by people's um, concentrating on God, because without God there is no communion, you know. So the priest trying to make communion happen with loads of participation, with, mm -hmm. with him standing there like a circus ringmaster saying, now we'll have this act, and, and now you'll really enjoy so-and-so mm -hmm. doing the reading. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, it, it actually goes to the point of asking for rounds of applause. Yes. Uh, in masses. And, and Bratzinger, Benedict XVI, um, he noted that. He refers to it that you even have applause for performances. I, I would say to you that in no way should the choir, for instance, be up at the front. But this often happens. Uh, I'm beginning to think that certainly nobody should even be singing from the ambo because the trouble is it acquires the quality of a theatrical performance. Mm. There's nothing wrong with a theatrical performance. It's just that's not the liturgy. Amen. Um, and, and next thing you know, you'll have a clap. And, and once that yeah. happens, the whole thing has become worldly. It has become a mere social occasion on the human level. And uh, our Lord is ignored again. Completely agree with that, uh, Father Kilcoyne. You know, and uh, to speak about this cultus of per personality, I think also the Mass has become more of a people, uh, a place for people to gather together. And, and they don't understand that actually the Mass is, as you mentioned, the sacrifice represented again, an unbloodied sacrifice of our, our blessed Lord Jesus. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the the understanding of the sacrifice has changed to be more of just like a communal gathering? Um, I think probably it's more of a, if you like, a kind of a kind of a coming to terms with Protestant theology that you have. Uh, it's, it, 
it, it, the council is often blamed for it. I, I think it was well there in the 50s, you know. and It was well there before, but I'm not scholarly on that point. Mm. Uh, my sense is that this didn't just appear out of nowhere. Um, I'm, I'm not being anti-Protestant, okay? I'm not being sectarian or nasty or anything like that. I'm just saying they are, they are different understandings of the Christian faith, and they're profoundly different. And, and um, many Protestant groups regard the liturgy as essentially communion um, and, and, and uh, a recollection, uh, a commemoration now, all of those things are present, but for us, mm. and we believe in objective truth, mm -hmm. it is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ present on the altar. Amen. So, I mean, I think it was Brian De Palma, the maker of the exorcist, who commented on Catholicism, man, that is one spooky religion. <laughs> okay? If there isn't something faintly spooky about it, you're probably not doing it right. Mm. It's, it's not, and, I, and I'm not being there, I'm not saying the priest should, you know, start performing in that regard either. It is not this worldly. It is otherworldly. And let all mortal flesh keep silence. You, you are on sacred ground. You, you are in a terrible place. Literally, it's beautiful and awe-inspiring and fearsome. And, and the, the holy souls are there with you. All the dead are there with you. The communion of saints the cherubim, the seraphim, all of the angels are there with you. I, this is not a place to mess about. You're, you're standing near the reactor in a nuclear power station <laughs> in spiritual terms. Amen. So, I mean, it really is not the place for some idiot uh, going about pressing every brightly colored button he sees. You know, um, Father... And, and I... I, I really think we have to get back to this sense of providing. I know it sounds a, a, an almost facetious comparison, but it's, it's not really. Uh, a good restaurant will try to provide a fine dining atmosphere. A church should be providing the faithful coming in with an experience of heaven on earth. You know, Father... Uh, I do, I, I'm, I'm not perfect at that myself. I mean, I'm having to change at this too. I think it's very interesting, Father, because, you know, the conversation we started with was talking about active participation in liturgy, and I think a lot of people have this misnomer that the term active participation comes from Vatican II. It's like, oh, this is a post-Vatican II thing, but Pius yeah. the X, he gotcha. said in Tradalatitudine that yeah. we have to have active participation, but the idea behind it was completely different. When Pius X, you talked about active participation, he was referring to following along in the liturgy with your eyes, uh, singing the parts of the Mass that were relevant for the, for the people, and uh, most importantly, uniting ourselves with the holy sacrifice that was happening at the altar. Could you speak a little bit about the, the point here that is being lost? Because I believe that by getting everybody to participate and singing and bringing up gifts and coming up and doing the readings, we have replaced the actual sacrifice of the lady learning how, how can I offer myself on the patent with the priest when he's lifting it up? How can we do that as laity? How can we actively participate authentically in the liturgy? Got about under two minutes now. 
I, th- I think that the, the biggest task, one of the biggest tasks facing the church is catechesis, a re-catechesis. I think along with that, one of the biggest tasks is, tra- is, is, is retraining the laity, and we'll have to start with the clergy, retraining the laity in the art of prayer. And it is an art. It is a trade, as it were, to put it, put it in more useful terms, a trade that you have to learn. Um, it, I, okay, this is going to sound like absolute heresy in the modern church. I, I think we're just going to have to encourage people to start saying the rosary again. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, Father, oh, that, I that's what I do. Think I, you need to see people with their rosary beads again. You need to see people obviously occupied yeah. in, 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 in an unworldly occupation. Mm. And, and you need to see that visually. I remember, I remember the rosary beads clicking against the seats when I was a kid. Mm. Every second person had one. I'm talking about back in the 60s in Ireland. The men were all telling their beads during Mass. And, and then this became totally unacceptable and, and all the rest of it. I think that's nonsense. People are perfectly capable of multitasking. Mm. Let them have their beads. Let them have what, 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 whatever they want. Let them focus on the prayers, on the gestures of the priest. Let the priest keep himself out of the liturgy as much as he possibly can in, in, a, in a worldly sense, mm-hmm. in a day-to-day human sense, and realize that at the altar he is altar Christus. Amen. Yeah, praise and, be to and, God. And to put it again, and put it in very worldly terms, he becomes one spooky individual. <laughs> yeah, Amen. Just nothing better than meditating on the crucifixion while the priest is offering the sacrifice, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, I, I know liturgically some priests will throw their eyes to heaven when they hear me recommend saying the rosary during Mass. Look, I'm sorry. <laughs> As a church, we have nearly forgotten how to pray. We have to get back to our prayers. They'll get over it, Father. They'll get over it. Praise be to God. Well, Father Brendan Kilcoyne, The Brendan Option, Immaculata Production. Check him out on YouTube. We'll link to it. But God bless you, Father. Thank you for your time today. We really appreciate having this conversation. God bless. Take care. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one. You can join us in the second hour. David L. Gray from davidlgray.info is going to be our guest to talk about the Jesuits raising $100 million for reparations. What's their uh, status? We're going to cover that next. We'll see you then. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. 
And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. You're listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas, your Catholic radio station, on air and online at grnonline.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Well, that Father Brendan, you got to love that accent. Huh? Good crack. He's a good crack. Which means, by the way, he's fun, entertaining, insightful, good conversation. That's what that term means in in Ireland, apparently. A good crack. Yeah, when I was there, I was like, "What are you guys talking about? Crack? What is? What are you you referring to? The drug? Are you? Is this a slight against Hunter Biden? Doing when you were (laughs) cracking jokes? Yeah, spelled C R A I C. Great. Do you remember that song? That uh, the song uh, back when by was it Tim Tim McGraw? Wow, mm. uh, Adrian just did. Do you remember that one song? And I actually don't know it. Really? That's wow. interesting. He's like 1930. Yeah, He's already going back in my day. Back when I think it came out in like the early 90s, and he in the song he like and cracks what you were doing when you were cracking jokes, and it's all about like <laughs> terms that have different meanings now, but are like completely innocent. He's like as like Coke. Man, that was just something you drank. You just you had Coke, and it was no big deal. Uh, you had a crack, and it's like, we're just making jokes. No big deal. Yeah. So that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, fascinating. If you guys missed that conversation with Father Brendan Kilcoin, let me encourage you to check out the podcast version of Catholic Drive Time, which is always posted on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. It's usually available about an hour after the show. And uh, Adrian updates the metadata so that you know what the title is and all of that. So you can check it out there. Super easy. But it's also available not only on our uh, on our mobile app, the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, which you can download for free in your app store to search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can listen to it there. It's also available on our iTunes feed, our Google Play, and Spotify. Just search for the Catholic Drive Time. And I'm just so grateful for all the five-star reviews who... Uh, uh, spontaneously, without any coercion on my part, just chose pure freedom of will to leave five-star reviews uh, of our podcast on the iTunes store. So I want to thank you to all of those who have done that, although you are contractually obligated by UN National Treaty to do so. So there's that. Five-star reviews uh, for the Catholic Drive Time. Uh, praise be to God. Uh, but that was a good conversation. Very interesting, Father Brendan Kilcoin sort of looking at his own life as a priest and what's going on in the church and trying to create 
something more sacred in the Holy Mass uh, in his parish in the diocese of Archdiocese of Tum. Yeah, it's T T U A M, but I think it's pronounced Tum. Yeah, one big takeaway I'd like to just reiterate is uh, the fact that he's he's saying, and it's interesting to hear it from a priest, you know, I shouldn't be a cultist of personality. The Mass yeah. is not my yeah. performance. I'm yeah. not up there mm-hmm. introducing people and mm-hmm. uh, directing a show. It's mm-hmm. This is the sacrifice of the Mass, people. So yeah. we have to act accordingly. So yeah, love that. that he brought that up. That's great. Yeah, me too. Praise be to God. Because I kept thinking, like, there was that uh, Mass in Puerto Rico where they had a female saying parts of the of the <laughs> consecration. Wow. Uh, in some sort of like choir alb or something. You just reminded me at the Joe, altar. Uh, you know, a long like, time ago. That's heresy. Yeah, opinion. that's pretty bad. Uh, you know, I, I used to be an altar server, and uh, being next to the altar, hearing those words of consecration, I would have to stop myself. Don't repeat those words. That's yeah. not for me. That's <laughs> that's the priest. He's doing yeah. that. It's, yeah, it's I, I remember uh, I used to going uh, to daily mass at a Saint Suburbia parish around here, and um, you know, the the priest would start saying parts of the Mass, and everybody would join in. And this guy, who was a Vietnam vet and kind of a crum- known to be a curmudgeon, <laughs> like his, his confessionals were the hardest, you know. And, uh, like, one day he just stopped and chewed everybody out. Like, stop saying this. It's not for you to say. This is for the priest to say. Stop saying it. You know, we're like, whoa. It's what so, was the penance one day? Fla- self-flagellation? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, uh, praise be to God. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is the evervescent uh, David L. Gray from davidlgray.info and the Gray Report. Good morning to you, David. Guten Morgen. How uh, you gentlemen doing? I like this. We have to introduce him the German way, Joe. Guten Tag. David Guten Tag. L. Grau. Grau. Not yeah. Gray. Grau. Is it Grau? Is that Grau? Grau. Yes. My, mea culpa. How do you say mea culpa in German? I uh, forget. Mea culpa. Because that's Latin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Latin. Yeah. Already <laughs> practicing the, the German. Uh, praise be to Jesus. Now, uh, David, are you a man of languages? Do you pick up languages easily? I can read languages easily. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know what that means. <laughs> so you have to read the menu at McDonald's in Germany is what you're trying to tell me. Okay, good. I'm glad. Praise God. That's She's a start. A point. That's a start. Uh, wow, that's wonderful. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you caught the conversation we just had with Father Brendan Kilcoyne, but I know you cover a lot of sort of like these, uh, you call them mass, mass nightmares, mass confusion. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think what Father was touching on was a lot of, uh, a lot of these issues find uh, they're like doorways to these to these mass nightmares. There are doorways to, to uh, confusion and chaos within the liturgy that could all be rectified, but it, for whatever reason, there doesn't seem to be a great push for it. No, it, it doesn't. And it's unfortunate, I think, both for the priests and the laity. It, it, it seems to me, and I heard a little bit what Father was saying, and one thing I would definitely draw out is just that how the priest, by not speaking what the church has given him to say in, in the church's dogmatic constitution on a sacred liturgy, sacrosanctum concilium from Vatican II, it explicitly says in there in paragraph two that no one, not even a priest, can add or take away from the liturgy. So when we see priests not read the black and do the red, right. what they're doing is just violating magisterial teaching of the church, which then puts them in a precarious position on judgment day so mm-hmm. we it's, it's really sad yeah i find it very fascinating but let's set switch subjects here i saw this article out of youcatholic.com headline said jesuit order struggling to raise 100 million for slave 
reparations. What's going on here? And, and, and Joe, Adrian, and um, Rudolfo, who, who thought the Jesuits were broke? <laughs> I, yeah, it's I mean, a good question. They, don't they just have this money type of money just laying around? These guys have been around for like what centuries, and we're, they don't have just a hundred million laying around somewhere. This is this is just an odd story. <laughs> but so I mean, yes. Yeah, so the Jesuits have owned, and at least in the United States, they, they at least in eight states they owned slaves while slavery mm-hmm. was legal up in eighteen up until eighteen sixty five. They owned slaves on a lot of their plantations, even when they were a uh, suppressed order. They were about the business. They they owned property. They owned land. They were farming. They were making money. Um, and and so yeah, one one of the most interesting cases though that a lot of people got really excited about was back in 2015. It became news again, which was news back in 1800s. That's Jesuits. The Jesuits in Maryland they had made an agreement to sell. 272 of their slaves to a couple plantation owners in Louisiana. The the Black Pope, the Superior General of the Jesuits, he agreed with this. The Jesuits, you know, why? The question is why? Why did they agree to sell close to 300 of their slaves? Well, it was to raise money. It was was a fundraiser. And so there are three conditions, though, that the Jesuit Superior had laid out. He said, um, you can sell these slaves under three conditions. Um, One, uh, you're, you're supposed to use the money for Jesuit missions, the slaves were to be kept together. The families cannot be separated. And you must make the plantation owners agree to allow their slaves to keep these slaves to keep practicing the Catholic faith. And it turned out to be like a horrible deal because um, they were supposed to get $115,000 for these 272 slaves. But they did it on credit. They didn't do a credit check. So these, these slave owners never, these plantation guys in Louisiana never paid them all the money. Oh, wow. And That's fun. Um, all, this, all the slaves that they sold didn't go. They kept the elderly. elderly. They sent, of the ones they sent, about a hundred, about one-third of them were like kids under 10. Oh. So it turned out to be a, a really bad deal. So in 2015, uh, there was a big kerfuffle about this whole thing. The families. The descendants of these slaves began making a lot of noise, and and so the Jesuits agreed in 2015 and again in 2020 the raise um, was a hundred million dollars. Well, yeah. So the article says a hundred million dollars was the initial goal, but they teamed right. up with J.P. Morgan Chase, who was also involved in all of this, because they bought the Citizen Bank in New Orleans that you know financed the transactions or whatever. Um, okay. But they ultimately wanted to deposit a billion dollars into this reparation fund. A billion dollars. A there's, billion. There's some like five thousand descendants of these uh, of these slaves that they were owned. Now, what's interesting to me is uh, Father Charles Connor uh, has a series of books on. Uh, the history of the Catholic Church in America. His second book in that series is called Faith and Fury, where he does document the Jesuits owning plantations and slaves. Although he does seem to be somewhat charitable to the Jesuits in this, in in that he said that their outlook upon these men and women under their uh, ownership, if you will, was uh, more favorable than they would have received yeah. outside. He said they often catechized them, treated them like family members, spoke well of them, even in documentation, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure where all of that goes. But uh, but selling them, I think, is problematic. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, well, 
we're going to work within this system and take care of these people, but then to sell them to who knows who and how, like you're breaking families up and who knows how they'll be treated, like that's very problematic. And it doesn't seem like the two people they sold them to, at least from my research, I couldn't tell the people they sold them to in Louisiana were actually Catholic slave owners. So, but yeah, you're right that on Catholic plantations throughout the United States, slaves were treated much better than on, on Protestant plantations. It, it was, it's, it's, a, it's a stark contrast. Mm -hmm. So, and so this was going on. I mean, Pope Gregory the 16th, he wouldn't really come out and with his definitive church teaching on the slave trade until 1839. So they sold these slaves. They agreed to sell them two years before that encyclical. So this wasn't really a moral thing. Mm. People in the United States, they were still, as they do now, you know, you have popes who spoke very strongly against the slave trade and slavery. But then you have, you know, a couple of popes like Nicholas V and the, there was a Pope Alexander, forget what number, I think. Um, they, you know, people would draw to them saying, well, you know, the slave trade is bad, but there are some things about slavery that are good for people, you know. <laughs> and so and so we would always find people justifying, you mm -hmm. know, the whole the whole thing. So this wasn't really a moral issue with the Jesuits. It seemed it was just um, really to help Georgetown University, Holy Cross University, right. help build infrastructure. What about reparations themselves? How do you feel about the descendants of these men and women receiving reparations? I think in this instant case where we actually do have descendants, um, maybe maybe there's something here. But I think in other cases where we, you know, you can't really prove, <laughs> you know, anything there. Um, you know, I, I question that. But in this instant case, but is, is monetary, so justice, penance and justice, I think, is on the table. But what does that look like? The Jesuits agreed that was, it was monetary. I, I, I would have like to have seen something like free education to Jesuit universities or something. Like, well, I take that back to non-Jesuit universities. I, I don't even know if some of these universities would be, that would make people worse. I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a bad thing. But I, I don't know. I think it's on the table, you know, some sort of justice and, and penance if, if the Jesuits really sense so, that they haven't done anything yet. So money fixes all of this. Money makes all this go away. Money heals all wounds and forgives all sins. I just got to pay up and we're done here. Right. Right. That's yeah. I, I see. Yeah. That's that's what they came up with, and I don't mm -hmm. think that's really a remedy. I don't think that's really good justice and good penance for if they want to make amends for what their their um, their forefathers did. Mm -hmm. Maybe they can make up for it by uh, preaching the faith. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Being Catholic, yeah. or how about this? A, a spiritual exercises retreat for everyone. Free. For everybody can come. <laughs> well, I take it back. I think they should raise a hundred million dollars. <laughs> they're only at fifteen so far, so they're like way underwhelming on their uh, delivery here. Yeah, they, yeah they, they put so they put in fifteen million, and they they plan. That's about all they've got. They have yeah, yeah. It's is that still that's still phenomenal? But a lot of people apparently feel as if though that they're not complicit in what Jesuits did back in 1838. So they're not really like, you know, why do I have responsibility for that? that was, those are those guys. So Yeah, yeah. well... All right, praise be to God. David L. Gray info. Check out the Gray Report there. Lots of aggregation of top stories you can find at David L. Gray info. David, thanks for your time today. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for having me on. All Bye. right. 
coming up next is our game show chance to win prizes. You have an opportunity, but you have to make a phone call, and you need to do it right now. Phone lines are open. Standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a liberal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that has secrets and agendas. And your opportunity to win is right now. Phone lines are open. Wide open. If you never played, great opportunity to jump on the line, play our game. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't played in a long time, you can call back, 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game, 877-757-9424. That phone number, Adrian Fonseca, standing by to take your call right now at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 9424 call right now. Now, uh, here is the deal, all right? So, uh, I do have some stuff I just don't want to get out. I don't want it to be public, all right? So, but here we like to teach the faith. So, we look for teachable moments and the questions and you're going to learn some today. I promise you you've never heard, never known before ever ever ever, okay? So, this is going to be one of those uh braggable teachable moments. The next, you know, big cocktail party you go to, you're going to be throwing this out there. It's going to be good. 
That's number one. Number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are actually amazing. Praise be to Jesus. They laugh with us, which is the most fun and the biggest part that we enjoy most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this, you know, winner for everybody involved. So, but here's the kicker. I don't ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They, don't, they could not know a single correct answer, could still win the game. That's because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy, I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Catholic Drive Time. And you might be, you might be the winner mm -hmm. of a genuine mm -hmm. replica of the coffee cup of divine providence. You're going to be the envy of your friends and neighbors. As you walk out in the morning, you go out to your driveway and pick up your newspaper, sipping your favorite refreshing beverage mm -hmm. or hot beverage mm -hmm. from your trusty autographed CDT mug. Hey, now. Praise be to God. That's going to be cool. So, yeah. uh... A replica, though. They don't get the original. No, the original yeah. is here. Mm -hmm. It's uh, mm -hmm. guarded 24-7. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, this is, if you don't know the backstory, we'll talk about it in the after show, but yeah. very, very, uh, very amazing artifact here. Yeah. So we can't give that one away. We'll no give you a way. replica. A replica. But we will autograph it uh, with our own hands. Yes. Instead of, instead of asking the interns to do it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. John, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, John. Where are you calling from? Uh, Dodge City, Kansas. Dodge City, Kansas. <laughs> oh, I, that deserves a all by itself. I, have we ever had a Dodge City, Kansas call before, Adrian? Yes, because I've been on before. Oh, yeah. you? you well, that's that. Was that a year ago, John? Oh, I don't know. A couple months ago, I think. No, it had to be longer than that. John, it's been like forever. It's what have you been, been doing with your anyway. life this whole time? Oh, well, uh, just trying to to keep my head above water, and I'm getting older, so it's getting harder to get around. But, yeah, mm. I'm doing okay. Well, praise be to God. I'm glad you're back on the show, John. Thanks for calling in today. Remind us, where do you go to church? Uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe in Dodge City, Kansas. I cathedral love of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I've never been to the cathedral there in Dodge City. Next time it's, I'm in town, I'm stopping by. That's what I was thinking. It's new. It's uh, well. It was built in 2001. It's beautiful church. Wow! Beautiful wow! Church. Praise be to God. Well, we're glad you're here, John. And uh, since you are a veteran, you know the rules. But I should warn you, Adrian uh, is always wearing a tie. But Rudy today is tying up again. So, <laughs> uh -oh. correlate that information to your advantage. Our I would Lady say. Undoer of Knots. Mm, amen. Praise Crimson. be to God. Crimson. Uh, are you like a, now you're placating a, to Alabama with a with a diamond foulard like pattern, a, a roll tide thing, or what's the? Well, I do love Alabama. Okay, all right. Well, uh, John, I don't know if you watch. Is that a double Windsor knot you're talking Ooh. about? No, half Windsor. <laughs> oh, okay. Kids today, <laughs> John. Kids today. Take take, take that information. Can't even die a double. Good grief. All right, let's go. Right, let's Lord. play our game before we run out of time. We're going to start with Team Rudy, as is our custom. Uh, good morning to you, Team Rudy. Good morning. Praise be to God. Crimson uh, tie there. I see that. Uh, we discussed that, but uh, roll tide. Uh, are you ready today? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Mm hmm Are you really sure? Uh, you got to fake it till you make it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, let's go with an easy one today. An easy one. Somebody we may or may not have already quoted on the show. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, name one patron saint of teachers, please. 
one patron saint is, and there's more, well, one of them would be Gregory the Great. Uh, okay. Yeah. You're going to go with Gregory the Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's just see what uh, Brother Adrian has to say about all of this. Adrian? Yes. Could you tell me? I can. Uh, could you name for me, rather, one of the patron saints of teachers? Well, of course. Well, you see, as someone who identifies as a PhD in patrons, oh, uh, so I know I all patrons in the mm-hmm. entire world, all of them, all of them, all of them. That's amazing. All the patrons in the entire world. Okay. The one patron of teachers, yeah, would be Saint Lazarus. Really? Because mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be raised from the dead. Um, because he enlightens their minds. He oh. raises their dead minds to life. <laughs> it's allegorical. <laughs> Got it. Always. Got it. Who's the patron saint of the cough button, by the way? Because I'm, I'm using it a lot <laughs> these days. <laughs> Just curious. All right. Uh, all right. So you say uh, Adrian is on the hook for St. Lazarus, uh, whereas Rudy is on the hook for St. Gregory the Great. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? John in Dodge City, Kansas. What say you? Rudy is right. Rudy is very confident wow. in that. So wise. Yes. Maybe, uh-huh. maybe I can start loving Kansas. Uh-huh. I, I, I love Kansas. Kansas. It's, it's a great kind of, place. Kansas is great. It's I've been a there. huge buck deer. Yeah, it's yeah. Oh. Don't have a lot of trees, but it's a beautiful state. You got mm-hmm. deer got trees the size. Down here you got deer the size of trees up there. I mean, they're just corn-fed <laughs> monsters. <laughs> love those. I someday I want to hunt in Kansas. All right, praise be to God. You are in the cup for, for one. You got that one, but I'm going to be honest with you, John, since I'm on your side in this game, this next one is easily the hardest question we have asked all week. This is definitely the hardest question we've asked today. Yes, I agree. Adrian right. and I don't agree often, but when we do, we agree on this one. All right, so let's start with Adrian first. Adrian, that's me. Can you tell me? I know that you have a particular interest and speciality in vindictiveness. <laughs> So, uh, could you tell me, what is the most serious, canonically vindictive penalty that the church can inflict upon a cleric? Wow. The most serious, you're asking? Yes, please. Not the least serious? No, sir. Okay. That would be degradation. 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 Mm-hmm. That sounds like mm-hmm. a movie. Okay. You've been mocked. <laughs> yeah. Degradation. Okay. All right, degradation. Let's see what uh, let's see what Rudy says. Rudy, could you tell me what is the most serious canonical, canonically vindictive penalty that the church can inflict upon a cleric? Well, I would say to disappear them, but really, they pretty huh. much do that by getting sent to Antarctica. That's the that's the Ooh. most vindictive thing that wow. you can get There's canonically. Like, there must be a whole bunch of priests down in Antarctica at this point. You okay. think so. Okay. All right. So if we need... A, there's like the pre-shortage thing. We just tap into Antarctica. I mean, if you ask me, it would have been Milsonation. Milsonation. They sent okay. him to Antarctica. Instead. John, here's the deal. The most canonically serious, vindictive penalty the church can inflict upon a cleric. Rudy says to send them off to Antarctica, whereas Adrian says it's degradation. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? John in Dodge City, what say you? Well, it sounds like Adrian. It sounds like wow. Adrian. I, that, I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Masterful job. The yeah, Woo. degradation is the canonical penalty. That's what we call defrocking. Mm-hmm. So whenever mm-hmm. they strip mm-hmm. you of their priestly ornaments and rights. Yeah, there you go. Masterfully played, John. You are you are showing your age and your uh, your wisdom here, sir. 
You're in for two. The next one, easiest question of the week all day long. Let's ask uh, Rudy first. Rudy, could you tell me what is the English translation of the word Genesis? Genesis. Uh, well, uh, let's see. That would be the beginning. You're just going to go with that. Yeah. Straight the, on the, the nose. Beginning? <laughs> beginning. Uh, I think, yeah. Beginning. The start. The start of all things. Okay. All right. Got it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? Uh, sounds made up. Let's find out. <clears throat> Adrian, mm-hmm. I know that you watched that Star Trek a movie that with Genesis, so you should probably know. I have know. not seen a single thing of anything Star Trek related. <laughs> you you saw the trailer life. once. I'm sure you know. Could you tell me what is the English translation for the word Genesis? Well, I may not know anything about Star Trek, but I do know a lot of English words. Uh-huh. So, that helps me here. Spock was resurrected in this film. Clearly you watched this film. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't All know right, who anyway, Spock is. What's the answer? The English translation of the word Genesis uh-huh. is creation. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't think that was in the Star Trek movie, but okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. All right, uh, John, you got options here. Adrian says Genesis means creation, but Rudy says Genesis means beginning. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? John, what say you? It's got to be Rudy again. It's got to be. be. just has to be. (laughs) Survey says. It's the Crimson Tie, man. I got to tell you. It's the Crimson Tie. John, did you ever watch that Star Trek film? No. No? I'm not a Star Trek. (laughs) Have you seen Uh, any Star Trek? I'm not a Trekkie. No. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Busted. Uh, I grew up on Star Trek. And yeah, that was the one where Spock was brought back from the dead thanks to the Genesis Who's missile that they shot into a planet? The only Genesis I know is mm-hmm. the Terminator Genesis. Then they spelled yeah. it wrong with a Y. Genesis. <laughs> I see, I see. Well, I did see that. In movie. fact, Genesis does mean beginning. John, you played a perfect game today. You did so masterfully. God bless you, John. Thanks for being on with us again from Dodge City, Kansas. Alrighty, thank you very much for having us. All right, I'm going to put you on hold. Have a great day, though, John. Uh, we'll be praying for you today. And that's going to do it for. The radio side of our show, if you would like to jump in on the after show and conversate directly, we would love to talk to you. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to catch all of the live video links so you can comment, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all of that at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. Pray your rosary today, you rosary radical. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate the 20th week of the year, Wednesday in Ordinary Time. We offer this holy sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening the Guadalupe Radio Network. All hail adored Trinity all hail eternal unity O God the Father, God the Son 
and God the Spirit ever one. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see, fill our hearts, we pray, with the warmth of your love, so that loving you in all things and above all things, we may attain your promises, which surpass every human desire. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. In these words, prophesy to them. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been pasturing themselves. Should not shepherds rather pasture sheep? You have fed off their milk, worn their wool, and slaughtered the fatlings, but the sheep you have not pastured. You did not strengthen the weak nor heal the sick, nor bind up the injured. You did not bring back the strayed, nor seek the lost. But you lorded it over them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered for the lack of a shepherd and became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered and wandered over all the mountains and high hills. My sheep were scattered over the whole earth with no one to look after them or to search for them. Therefore, shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, because my sheep have been given over to pillage and because my sheep have become food for every wild beast for lack of a shepherd, because my shepherds did not look after my sheep, but pastured themselves and did not pasture my sheep. Because of this, shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, I swear, I am coming against these shepherds. I will claim my sheep from them and put a stop to their shepherding my sheep, so that they may no longer pasture themselves. I will save my sheep, that they may no longer be food for their mouths. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks. The Lord is my shepherd, 
there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me. He refreshes my soul. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side, with your rod and your staff that give me courage. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Only goodness and kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Alleluia, The Word of God is living and effective, able to discern the reflections and thoughts of the heart. Alleluia, Alleluia, The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard, going about nine o'clock. He saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off, and he went out again around noon. And around three o'clock he did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One of the happiest memories of my childhood, I was, uh, had a push mower, and it didn't have any push engine. It was a single blade, and I mowed about three acres of, you know, up, up and down little hills by myself. And uh, I was about 12 years old. 
but was so happy about that is that my father did the various skilled kind of things right alongside of me. He did the weed whacking, he did the, the blowing, and did a whole bunch of other things right alongside of me. And then he ate lunch with me and talked to me. And uh, afterwards, when it was all done, he took me up to the top of the hill and he, he celebrated it like it was like I had graduated from college. And it was uh, such a happy day because I was working alongside my father. The, the reward that these workers in the vineyard get is they get to be with God. That's what he's talking about. The, the greatest reward you get is that you get to do it with Jesus Christ. And that itself is its own reward. And so the people that are working longer get to be with God longer. That is, a, is, is much more of a reward, even though you know, the, the, the analogy, is, of course, is for eternal life. For those who are called later in the day, so to speak, or are, or are brought to God later in the day, they, you know, that's their, usually that's their regret. I wish I would have known about this sooner. I wish I would have known Jesus a little bit sooner and I would have lived my life a little bit different. But those who are younger, they get to be with God longer. Um, and this is also the, this is true for the first reading as well. The, the, what's, what's missing in the shepherds is that they're not with their sheep. Being absent from the sheep is a certain kind of, uh, what Pope St. John Paul II in the Theology of the Body called masculine concupiscence, where a father's, the, uh, the sinfulness of men is to be absent from their family, missing in action. And for, with shepherding, as with everything else, as, as, as even as Jesus shows us in the Eucharist, the greatest gift is first the presence of being with the other person. Everything else comes after that guiding them, shepherding them, healing them, bringing them you know, to life. Jesus gives us his presence first in the Most Holy Eucharist. He shepherds the church himself. And if you, if you are feeling unshepherded, if you're feeling that kind of concupiscence or the, the sinfulness of, of even the church or, or her shepherds, know that Jesus personally shepherds you in the Eucharist and that he is present to you. And for this reason, he shows all men how to overcome their masculine concupiscence of wanting to be absent. He shows us how to show up, how to be present. Because surely if a father is present to his children, if a, a, a priest is present to his flock, if a bishop is present to his diocese, all the other good gifts come after that. So let us pray and ask Jesus, who is present to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity, every time we celebrate the Eucharist, that he may show all men how to be present to their, to their keep. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ, and we ask the Holy Spirit to raise up saints of our generation. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for, in a special way for men, that they may overcome that masculine concupiscence and be present to their families, that bishops may be present to their diocese, priests may be present to their flocks. For these we pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. 
We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, those who do not know God, those who do not want to know God, and any kind of form of human misery that we may respond generously as Jesus in disguise. For this we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our blessed Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of His name, for our good and the good of all His holy church. Receive our oblation, O Lord, by which is brought about a glorious exchange, that by offering what you have given we may merit to receive your very self through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in goodness you created man, and when he was justly condemned, in mercy you redeemed him through Christ our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Gloria Tua. O Sanha in excelsis, benedictus, qui benet in nomine domini, O Sanha in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, 
by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your son in death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Roll him and with him and in him. O God, Almighty Father, 
in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Accepti salutaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, piat voluntas tua, Sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, Dan nobis hodie, Et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, Debitoribus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you Quit volis peccatam mundi, miserere no hopis, onius dehi. Quit volis peccatam mundi, onanumis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Ave Maria, Raxia Plena, Dominus Tecum, Benedicta Tu in Mulieribus, et Benedictus Fructus Ventris Tui, Jesus, Santa Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Let us pray. Made partakers of Christ through these sacraments, we humbly implore your mercy, Lord that conformed to his image on earth, we may merit also to be his co-heirs in heaven, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. <coughs> Our Lady of the most holy trinity most holy immaculate virgin mary you are the mother of god himself you are the queen of all creation you are the keeper of heaven's treasure, you are our help and protection. Grant us your intercession, and may your favor never fail us. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hello, this is Father Miguel Solorzano, pastor of St. Charles Borromeo Church.